How we doing? Mosaic life. All right. I see Niner Faithful in the building. Okay. So it is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, but before we get some, you know, ribs or, I don't know, tri-tip or some tacos. Uh, hey, man, all that. Carne asada, you know. Um, I just count a privilege to be back in the house um, to celebrate, you know, six years of, of the vision. Uh, your pastor and I, like he said, we're Bible college um, students and alumni, and we've had back channel conversations what this might look like for him. And I'm just so happy that him and Brenda have taken the charge, taken a plow to just serve you guys. And from worship life to mosaic life, where we all can do life together. So I'm just so excited to see what God's doing. I got a little bar. That was a little something. But uh, um, God has been so faithful to God, to Jack's faith and, I, and, and Brenda's faith. And to see their family grow is just awesome. Let's go ahead and uh, hop in to uh, James chapter 2. Verse 14, James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. If you haven't, say amen. All right. I'll read in your hearing. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you say to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but, is not, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Verse 19, you believe, what, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even demons believe and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. Someone say, believe God. And it was credit to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitutes, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you again for being here in the presence of your people. I pray your words will go forth, God. Convict us, challenge us, and conform us to the image of your dear son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The series is Perseverance. I've had a subtopic we called Purpose to Persevere. Look at someone next to you and say, you are purposed. Oh, that was weak. Come on now. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. Come on now. You are purposed to persevere. 
In other words, you can make it. You're going to get through this. I know it's tough. I know it's challenging. I know it's just the second month of the new year, but man, we, we can get through this. I know last Sunday was tough for some of us in the building, but we can get through this. And we saw the, the, the images and the news and the memorials and the tributes. We can get through this. God has purposed us to persevere. I got one amen. All right, all right, let me get a little warm. I'm in the right place, Mosaic Life, right? And just for the record, you know, I know I'm a guest speaker, but, you know, if you're a guest, it's like the one time, two time, you're still a guest, but I've been here a couple times now. I'm family, there you go, I'm family. I'm like Uncle Monte or, like, you know, Cousin Monte or that's Big Bruh. That's, you know, come through sometime and share with us. So, you know, don't put me as a guest no more. Just say, that's Big Bruh. You're going to come speak to us a little bit, you know? in the faith. So I love the fact that your pastor has you guys fast for a month, worship on Friday, then have y'all in James. James is the equivalent to going to a CrossFit workout. You're going to be hurting. James is equivalent like, like going to like a sparring session. You're going to get hit a couple times. Like, oh, oh, that hurt. Ah. Oh, man. You're going to be sore. You're going to have like a black eye spiritually. I mean, James is like saying, get your life right with God now. No excuses. So I love the book of James. We, you know, I understand that if I go through James, like, I'm going to get hit somewhere. So if you walk out with a bloody nose, we'll pray for you. But it's necessary that you get strengthened, that you get aligned with what God's calling us into here at Mosaic Life. So in the first verses, 14 through 17, James is really, he's, he's, he's creating this, he's repeating this argument that's out there. There's an argument, and so he questions the idea like we have faith on one side, speaking faith, and the other side, we have works. I want you to see this. In certain se sectors, whether it be private or state we have we have works we do the work we get the work done other sides we got faith we got faith we got faith some might say well this this is the church we got faith we got faith if your black lives matter we got works we got works and they're saying well we got works you got faith but, and so what James is saying, look, man, regardless of what side of you're on, what you're for or against, faith without works is dead. And, and, and he really brings it home by saying, look, there's things that we see in our community, communities, injustices are happening. And, and you might say, hey, do well, I'll pray for you, or send a, a you know, prayer hand emoji. James is like, uh-uh, we got to actually go and intercede on the behalf of someone else. He echoes his brother Jesus. He says, Jesus said this. He said, for I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. I needed clothes. You did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You did not look after me. So, so James is saying, look, our faith in Jesus 
should move us to do something for someone else. Our faith in God should help us change our community. We, we shouldn't be waiting on no, like, you know, state-funded or, you know, city-funded or some kind of nonprofit-funded to come and change this community. We are the church. So it's not just coming to church. It's being the church. And I believe that the prayer and the fasting that the pastors is asking us to engage in and commit to is so we can be more like Jesus. I got one amen, I got two amens. I'm, I'm reaching somebody. It's interesting, the same James, the Lord's brother, he didn't come to faith in Jesus until after his resurrection. Well, what are you saying? Like, so he was watching from afar. He was a skeptic. He was like, okay, he's teaching. He's, he's feeding the 5,000. He walked on the water. He raised up Lazarus. I still don't believe. But when he went on that cross and he died, and rose, he said, okay, I'm now, my, I'm now in. It's interesting how God will, will take someone who's a skeptic on the outside of the, you know, of faith and, and bring them in. And also reminds me, like, God is never finished who, what he started in your life. He's never finished what he started in your life. Whatever God started in your life, he will bring it to fruition. The first question I have uh, reading this text is, what does this faith sound like, James? In verse 18, he says, show me your faith. Show me your faith. This faith sounds different than we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, where Paul says we are saved by grace through faith. So this idea like, yes, I believe God, I trust God for salvation through the personal work of Jesus Christ, death on the cross. I, I, I'm in desperate need of, of Jesus. So that's a, that's a saving faith. That's a call out to God. And God, through his, his work and his power, he saved me and he's, he's, he's justified me. But, but this faith is from the moment of salvation, God wants me to walk with him in such a way that it produces good work. Someone say good work. And so this faith is not passive. Hmm. This, faith, this faith is not passive. This, this faith is actually bold. It's radical. It's fierce. It's untamed. You might say, y'all doing too much. Can you imagine someone said, Mosaic Life Church, they do too much. They out here feeding the poor. You know what I'm saying? They out here, you know, uh, after school programs. You know, they got food closets. I mean, they always open. They never close. Something's always going on over there. Can you imagine that being, your, being this, this Ephesus here, this community? Like this, there's something going on at Mosaic Life. That's the kind of faith that produces the good work. You know, the early church I was reading, you know, they, they weren't passive folks either. You know, they, they dealt with persecution. And I, I got to, you know, something to let you know. Like sometimes God has to allow persecution to happen in your life trial, failure, struggle, to get you to understand the idea of perseverance. See, the, the Christian faith is a, a life of perseverance. So one more time. The, the, the Christian faith is a life of persevering. I get up. I got to go through something. God gets me through something. I say, thank you, Jesus. 
He says, I'm not done with you yet. I get up. I got to go through some more stuff. Ah, oh, Lord. He gets me through it. Thank you, Jesus. David says, though I go through the shallow, the battle of the shallow of death, I will fear what? No evil, for thou art with me. So there's a valley that God has to take. There's some mountaintops. There's those valleys that God takes us through. And, and, and so he's saying, show me your faith. The early church had to go through persecution, trial, test. And because of their persecution, the gospel spread to the uttermost parts of the earth. There is a, a, a man who I've been studying this past January. He goes by Dr. Martin Luther King. I, I felt, you know, as a public school student, I didn't really learn much <laughs> about him. So I'm relearning his life. And um, before we start the video, there's something interesting that I want to just share about him is, you know, we talk about his work and his mission and how he advocated for the lives of people who were definitely in the margins of society. But he was a minister first. His faith in Jesus produced, provoked this passion to see people be treated equally. People of color, African-American, Latinos, Asian, alike. I mean, it, it, he, he really wanted to see the Imago Day be exercised in circles of leisure, uh, exercise, having sit-down lunches, uh, hopping on a, uh, on a bus. And so they, he would march and he would resist the status quo because he wanted to see people be liberated in a civical, in civic spaces. And so before we play the video, before we play the video, this is April 3rd, 1968. He's in Memphis, Tennessee, preaching at Mason Temple Church. And the next day, he gets shot. Let's put that in context. The next day after this message, he is shot. say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. So just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. 
Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Just want to highlight. He acknowledged we have difficult days ahead. I don't know about you, some of you in the room, but, but, but maybe you're in a difficult space right now. Maybe you're in an obscure place. Maybe it's conflicting. Maybe it's challenging. Dr. King, he knew that as a people, as a community, there's difficult days ahead. Sometimes in the Christian life and in life, it gets difficult before it gets better. I got a couple witnesses in here. But one thing I love about Jesus, he'll show you the place. Oh, I wish I had him. Oh, he, he'll show you the place of affliction. He, he'll show you the place of difficulty. He'll show you that some things you're going to go through. He'll tell me, Monte, Buckle your seatbelt. There's going to be some turbulence here. But I love about Dr. King. He says, I, I just want to do God's will. And your pastor, Brenda and Pastor Jack, they've had some difficult days as pastors. They've had some trying days behind the scenes. But I'm thankful for God. Them saying, I just want to do God's will. I just want to serve God's people. You know, your pastor, he, he came to Bible college, he thought he was going to be like, you know, a politician. But God used this, this politician, ambitious guy to go be a pastor. A pastor of politicians. Amen. Speaking into existence. But I want you to hear the faith of Dr. King I want to do God's will. Yes, in the midst of challenges, in the midst of injustices, things are happening in our community, in our society, but I want to do God's will. And we will get to the promised land. Don't allow worry or anxiety or fear to hinder you to what God has already called you into. God's already called us into greatness. God's already called us into promise. He's already called us into purpose. Don't allow fear to hinder you to what God's called you into. And so we, we, we see in verse 23, 
Abraham. Someone say Abraham. I like good old Abraham. He's a good dude. And, and it's interesting because the community in which James is, 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 is sharing this to are, are they're Jewish people. And they come to know Jesus as their Lord. So we call them Messianic Jews. And so they, they, they know, they already know Abraham is this figure of faith. Like this is what faith looks like. It's Abraham. He's our guy. He's our guy we can go to and say, yes, God is real. He's faithful. He's just. He's holy. He's at work in our lives. Because what Abraham believed and God took his faith and it was credited to him as righteous. Now, faith, like, like, like Abraham, Abraham, like, was, he, he wasn't perfect. He didn't have all together. He had some stuff going on in his house. He had Hagar. You know, he had some things going on. He had some Ishmael. He had a lot of things going on in his house. But he believed God. And, and you know, for the sake of time, if you had a chance, read Genesis 22, verses 1 through 14. And in that text, we can see God at work in Abraham's life. We know that God called out to Abram. He told Abram, I want you to take your son and you will go and worship me. Offer a burnt sacrifice. So everybody in this room, God is calling us to get to know him in a more intimate way. God's yet calling us. For some of us, God, well, I heard God last year, but I haven't yet, you know, done what he, God's still calling you. Come and worship me. Come be with me. Spend more time with me. God's calling you. He called Abraham. And Abraham, he said, okay, come on, son. Come on, Isaac. Let's go. And my servants, let's go. We're going to go to worship the Lord like we always do. It's Kind of a kind of a ceremonial thing. It's we do, and uh, you know they're walking up, and you know on the third day they left, and they they went up to the mountain, and I was like, uh, "Yo, pops, yo, dad, uh, I know we I know we worship, but where is the sacrifice?" God, I I know you called me to this, but I don't see no fruit yet. I know you called me to serve me, but Things ain't changed in my house yet. I'm still struggling. God, I know, I know you promised, promised me some things, some promises that has been spoken of my life, or even prophecy has happened. But I'm still stagnant. I, I feel like I'm on the shelf of ministry. I, I know, you, you know, you hate divorce, but it feels like this is just our only way out. I don't know if we can keep doing this. I mean, raising these kids by myself, Lord, I ain't got no help yet. Where is your provision. Notice Abraham. He didn't, he didn't question. He didn't complain. He didn't murmur. He went and he said, God will provide a sacrifice. God will make a way 
when there seems like there is no way. He makes a way when there seems like there is no way. The one thing I'm appreciating about the God of the Bible, he, he sits from eternity. And he looks over, and from eternity, he can speak a word in your life. Now, we live in time. We are bound by time. But God, he sits outside of time and speaks a word in your time. I wish I, had a, I wish I had someone help me. So fr- from God's view, it's already done. In my view, I'm still waiting on it. From God's perspective, it's already done. In my view, I'm still waiting on it. The challenge is, can I still believe God when I'm still waiting on what he's promised me? But the Bible says his word would not come back void, but accomplishes that what he said it to do. So it will come to pass. And so when he says, hey, we'll, we'll be back, read the text, he says, we'll be back. We're going to go worship the Lord. So remember, God told Abraham that through your seed, the whole world will be blessed. That the whole world will be blessed. And so Abraham, he knew, like, okay, this is the same God that promised me back then when I was 75. And I didn't have no seed. He's going to preserve me to keep this seed. You see where I'm going? If he's promised me back when I didn't have nothing, then he gave it to me. He's going to allow me to keep this thing. He promised me when I didn't have it. He gave it to me. He's going to preserve me to keep it. Because it's his promise, not mine. That's for somebody today. You might not have it yet, but it will come. You have it, and he'll keep you to keep going. You see where I'm going with this? You have the blessing. And you've been fighting the devil, get off me, get off my kids, get out of here, this is mine. And God will keep you, you can keep going. But he wants you to give it to somebody else though. What God has given to you, give to someone else. We'll get to that a little later. So we see the, the faith of, of Abraham, the call of faith to Abraham, the obedience to the call of faith, uh, the call to, to, uh, of faith to Abraham, sacrificing his son, and the place of provision that God provided a ram to sacrifice. My third point here, in verse 25, he says, he says, he says here, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute, someone say prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As I was studying this text, knowing James relationship to Jesus and the community he's talking to, why would, he, why would he write Abraham's name? I get the Abraham part. He puts Abraham in there. But why would you put Rahab's name right next to Abraham's name? Why would, you, why would you write Abraham in the sentence, the same sentence structure, and then put Rahab in there? What are you trying to do, James? 
We want us to see, James, that the same God that used Abraham used Rahab. That the same God who, who justified Abraham because of his faith justified a prostitute. You know how we treat prostitutes. You can't come to church. You can't be saved. How can God? Yeah, yeah. Get your life right. Then come. We, keep, we, know, we, we esteem Abraham, but we marginalize Rahab. But we being really honest this morning, we all got some Rahab in, in us. If we're being totally 100, God's still sanctifying that Rahab in us. You know, Rahab, the deceitfulness, trying to get some out of you. It's not just the lust and sensuality. It's, it's that I'm going to manipulate you to get something out of you. This is transactional. I don't need really, I just want that from you. And once I get it, bye. See you later. Who's next? Almost, almost done. I know. I just a little music coming. <laughs> but we all have a little bit of Rahab in us. And God's so faithful, we see him at work in the life of Rahab. Never judge a book by its cover. The same God that who, who worked through the life of Abraham is in the work in the life of Rahab. So a couple points I want to bring out of that is that God is not intimidated by our sin-filled past. Number two, God sees your faith-filled future instead of your past. I'll say that again. God sees your faith-filled future in spite of your past. Matter of fact, because of your nasty past, he'll use you. Because, because of your mess, he, he'll use you. Because of your brokenness, brokenness, he'll use you. God needs a witness. So I don't care if you went to the penitentiary, you know, kind of, you know, out there somewhere, God will grab a hold of your life and use you for his glory. Regardless of where you, where you start your life started from and where it came from. God, number three, God does not have favorites. He uses whoever he wills. The question I have for us, how can we produce this faith-filled good works in our very lives around us? Just one thing, you know, pastors come, whether it be guest speakers or your pastors here, and we want to inspire you. We want you to go out there and tackle the world. But part of that is we want to give you tangible resources on how to do that. And I don't know about you, I, I like to read while reading a book or something like that. And, and, and this came to me as I was looking at this sermon. Um, because oftentimes we, we like, well, you know, I want to I do good to people and, and give back to the community. I, I want to partner with the church and, and how we can really make change in our community. But this is some five habits that you can start to implement in your own personal life, and you'll see in your, in your sphere of influence how it affects people closest to you. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you five tangible ways or habits that you can implement in your life, and you'll see, like, immediate change. Michael Frost wrote the book called Surprise the World. And in this book, he gives you five steps, and he uses the acronym BELLS, B-E-L-L-S. If you're taking notes, just write BELLS, kind of linear, and then we'll spell it out. The first one he asks you to do is to bless. 
he wants you to bless not just someone who looks like you or sounds like you, but he really he wants you to bless that someone that does not look like you. So maybe one week might be a, you know, a Christian. The next week could be someone who's not a Christian. The idea behind this is we want people to question the faith we have. We want to live questionable lives. Why do you do that? How are you able to get through that? Yeah, you got the Mosaic Life backpack on, you're in the gym, but, but really, like, why do you still serve God when things are happening in our community and our society is just, like, despair, calamity, frustration, animosity, war? How can you still bless someone, give strength to, word of affirmation, or even uh, uh, just a sense of uh, help when things are going on outside of us, or even your own self, that's, that's hurting. So B, b- bless. Number E, I like number E, the, my favorite part is E, is eat. I like to eat. So you bless someone, either give them a word of affirmation, a gift, and th- the second thing you want to do is eat. And you can always take me out, and we can chill. Watch this, though. Most of the time, we just sit there and eat and look at our phones. But if I want to be very intentional with you and engaging you with the gospel, being the church, I want to hear you. How you doing? Just check in with me. What's been going on? And we ain't got no deep conversation, but let's sit down and eat rather than just stand at a, at a stand or anything. Let's sit down and eat. Actually, invite people in your space. Invite them in. I heard life groups by Pastor Brenda. Invite people in. Invite them in. Come on. If it's that guy at your job, invite them to men's breakfast. That's a great opportunity where we can see this missional approach to seeing lives changed. Sit down and eat. The third one is listen. Not just individually, but as a community. The question I have for you, what is God saying to you today? What is he saying? It's an important question. And number two, what are you going to do about it? Individually and as a community. Because I can say a whole lot of things. But the most important thing is, what is God saying to me? I'm purposed to persevere. What does that look like for me in 2020? Number, number four, learn. Learn God's words. See, that's Bible devotion, that's reading. But really, it's the words of Christ and the works of Christ. Most Christians and even churches, we do the words of Christ really good. And we do the works of Christ even, even better at times. But the third one we kind of miss is the ways of Christ. The words, the way, and the work. And so when I get guys and we disciple each other, the idea is like we want to know the words of Christ, but what's the way of Jesus? And how can that way lead to work? The last one, we got bless, eat, listen, learn, and then sent. You are sent people. In your jobs. Your job is your ministry. Amen. Just not coming to Mosaic Life Church on Sunday. But think about it. My, my work is my ministry. You know, a lot of us work with people who are unbelievers, who don't know Jesus. I'm not saying go and just preach at lunchtime. What I'm saying, be the good news to them. Be the good news to them. Smile. Have some kind of joy in your life. But really, you're, you're a sent person. Invite them into your space. Have conversations that are meaningful. Are we here? Are we okay? Are we okay? And that's called that's called the bells. And so if you do that, if you do that enough, each each day or each week, you say, "Hi, hey, I want to bless somebody." God, who can I bless this week? 
and God will show you. And you'll you go over there and bless someone. Imagine the response. Hey, I've been blessed. I'm going to bless you today. For no reason. I just want to just bless you because I love God. And that will start a conversation. Hey, let's have some time to eat. Sit down and eat. Man, I love salad. You do too? Great. Let's have some salad together. Hey, man, you know what? We're having Bible studies on Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights. You want to come to my small group? Yes. So we can listen and learn about who God is and who Jesus is through the scriptures. Because we are sent ones. And we are called to persevere together. You know, if one person wins here, we all win. We all win. We all win. And so as, as big brother today, yeah, I, I want the Niners to persevere. But I want the kingdom of God to persevere more. I want God's kingdom to persevere, not just in these four walls, but in this community. I believe, I believe that this community will not be changed until Mosaic life is in the forefront of that. I'll say it one more time. I'll say it one more time. This community, regardless of its history and its issues and ups and downs and financial issues, Mosaic life will be an integral part of the restoration in this community. So that's not just church talk. That's just being in the forefront of change, of tackling change. Dr. King said, I want to do God's will. Can we stand? Can we stand? Purpose to persevere. I want to call the person today who's just, if I say it, just stuck. Stuck in just life and, and uh, stuck in their own personal challenges, failures, discontentment. I've been stuck many times. And I feel like you can be, I'm moving, I'm busy, but I'm still stuck. I've been moving, I've been trying to be busy, but I'm still stuck. And so I, I just sense today you need prayer. I want to call that person who's just like, kind of like James, been on the, you know, the, the outskirts, the skeptics of society. I don't know about this Jesus guy, this Jesus character, this, this God man. The seeing over the last six years, what he's done to this church, I want to get to know him. Seeing my relatives serve Jesus in the midst of pain and suffering, I, I want to get to know him. So I want to invite you to get to know Jesus today, to say yes to Jesus because he, he died for you. He's your substitute. He took the full penalty of, of sin and death so you can have life in him. So that's you today. If, if you want to come know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I invite you to, to come. 